sent them all the way to you tonight to minister to you. Amen? You believe that? Yes. Not just another meeting, not just another place to sit. Thanks to the cell leaders tonight, the White House keepers for coming together. We have what we call the pool party, congregational meeting. And just welcome, Dave, and let it loose. That's all I need to do. Thank you, bud. Take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 17. We're going to get started in just a minute here. Um, this uh, teaching I'm going to give you tonight is very dear to my heart because it impacted my life personally. Uh, it was a journey God took me through Scripture. Uh, work through some issues of forgiveness in my own life, and I'll probably just talk briefly about that in process here tonight. Um, but I want to right up front kind of give you an idea kind of where we're heading here. The purpose of this is twofold. The purpose of this is, number one, to just uh, hopefully this teaching will be a blessing in your life. How many here have ever been hurt by anybody? Ever that ever happened to anybody? All right, all right, yeah, yeah. I raise a bull. So I mean that that just goes with the territory of living. I mean that just happens, and, and um, you know, conflict in a relationship is is just the reality of life. Forgiveness, therefore, is issues that we have to deal with con- consistently. So 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 hopefully, what I share tonight will benefit you personally, but also I want to give you a tool. I've used this teaching, not. Well, I've certainly done it like this over and over, in, in, in not only U.S., but in different parts of the world. But, but I also have used this teaching, writing it out on napkins across a cup of coffee with a guy across the table and just going through this whole issue of, of forgiveness and seeing some amazing transformation happen in people's lives just one-on-one. So my goal is that you'll be able to take this and multiply that effect because you know there are tons of broken people. Huh? Tons of broken people right in Big Bear. All all over. Anywhere. I mean, you don't have to be prophetic or spiritual to know that. I mean, that's just the way it is. So, well, let me just open a prayer and then we'll we'll get roaring here because i got a lot to cover in a little while. Father, I just pray tonight that you will take our time together and... uh, the few words I'll share, I pray that somehow you'll use them to penetrate hearts, um, not, not so we'll walk out of here and say, oh, that was good, but that, God, you'll do something in us and transforming some, something within our own hearts and then also help us to be able to use biblical tools to bring people into freedom in areas where they are just bound by hurt and criticism and unforgiveness and bitterness. I just pray that would be so in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Luke 17, 1-4. I'm just going to read it to you from the New Living Translation. One day Jesus said to His disciples, there will always be temptations to sin, but what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting? It would be better to be thrown into the sea with a millstone hung around your neck than to cause one of these little ones to fall into sin. So watch yourselves. If another believer sins, this is the, this is the key point here. 
If another believer sins, rebuke that person. Then if there is repentance, forgive. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks forgiveness, you must forgive. Okay, so this, this issue of forgiveness is common to all of us tonight. Jesus deals with the issue of forgiveness here in Luke 17 in a very straightforward way. Um, he tells us very clearly that when we cause other people to stumble, it's serious business to God. Very, very serious, serious enough that it would be better that, that you die a horrific death by having uh, a millstone wrapped around your neck and you were thrown in the sea than to cause someone to stumble. So, we need to understand that the gospel is a gospel of reconciliation. God is very interested in reconciliation happening uh, spiritually and relationally. As you know, <laughs> salvation has a lot to do with relationships. Your relationship to God, God's very interested in that first of all, but He's also very interested about your relationships to other people. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to Himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to Him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making His appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Okay, that's part of our job. That's what He's called us to. But it is impossible for you to say come back to God when there's this huge chasm between you and that person, right? There's no way they're going to be reconciled to God when they're not reconciled to you. It just isn't going to happen. All right? Ephesians chapter 4. Just some more background. Um, uh, verse 30. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ, has forgiven you. So what is the, what is the threshold or, or what is the bar of forgiveness that God is calling us to? What kind of forgiveness is God requiring you to have towards other people? Huh? Unconditional. Okay? Christ-like kind of forgiveness. Just like God has forgiven you in Christ, so we are to forgive other people. That's a big order. And we're going to talk through some practicalities in relationship to that tonight. We read here in Luke 17, uh, uh, seven times in one day that we're supposed to forgive a brother if he comes to you. Now that, that sounds real spiritual and good. Stand up here, bud. I'm just going to give an illustration. Okay, so, so you know, so if, what's your name? Aaron. Aaron. One, wonderful name. Wonderful name. <laughs> Alright, so, so if I'm standing next to Aaron watching... Uh, the angel's playing baseball and I step on his toe because I'm so excited what's happening. All right? And I say, oh, Aaron, I'm really sorry. And what would you that's say? All right. yeah, that's all right. Okay, all right. All right. If, if, if 15 minutes later, I do the same thing. 
I, I won't do it. I, okay. I got close though. All right, all right. If I do the same thing, I say, "Oh man, I am really sorry." It's okay. Okay, it's sorry. All right, all right. If fifteen minutes later, I go, oh, that's really wonderful. And, and and you'd say what? All right. You would. Oh my goodness, this man is really spiritual. Okay. Now, now I probably wouldn't. At that point, I'd, I I begin to think this guy does not have his head tied on quite straight, and and, and or he is not genuinely repenting. Right? Okay, okay, you can be seated. Good, good, alright, alright. The fact is, is that, you know, reality is, is that our mind go through this process where we say, well, you know, if they, if they ask forgiveness more than once, well, they don't, they didn't really mean it in the first place. Well, how many of you have asked God's forgiveness more than once? Huh? How many meant it? Of course you meant it. You know, but, but that's the process. Now, Matthew 18 goes a step further where Jesus, I mean, just blows all of this out of the water and he says 70 times 7, 490 times in one day. So, I mean, this is beyond ridiculous. This is crazy. And, and, and so, we're, we gotta deal with this. How do we do this? Sounds great, sounds wonderful, but how do we do this? Alright, first of all, tonight, we're gonna talk about what, what, what I believe is, 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 Luke 17 is, is really the full circle of forgiveness. It is really God establishing certain laws for our good here. And it's, it's, it's God establishing, um, something that is God's ideal. This is God's ideal. This is the way forgiveness is supposed to work. It's supposed to work this way towards your spouse, towards your children, towards the people you work with, towards whomever. Relationships, people. Okay, full, full circle of forgiveness. So, so, he, he, he said, if your brother or sister sins against you, okay, that's, that's this first part of this circle. And, and it's, it's called the event. Okay? We have an event called, uh, hurting someone, offending someone, wronging someone, making a wrong statement, uh, doing something that's inappropriate. Alright? And what does Jesus say you are to do when that event happens? No. No, no, no. No, no, no. No, we don't start with forgiveness here in the... Now we're talking about idealism here. We're talking about the way things are supposed to work if we're doing it right. When an event happens, the person who does the event is to do what? Okay? But before repent, what happens? Okay? The word rebuke. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. Aaron, stand up again. You're, you're too close and that's, yeah, you'll, you'll never sit there again. I'll, I'll guarantee you. Okay. Alright. Now, so often, how many think this means rebuke? Huh? You know, most of us, when we think of rebuke, we think of, you know, this is rebuke. You know, he's he's a big boy, so I can only do that in front of you, you know, because he'll never do anything. All right, but but that's not really the biblical concept of rebuke. You know what the concept of rebuke is? It means to put your arm around a guy's shoulder and point in the right direction and go in the right direction. This is rebuke. This is rebuke. This is the way we should go, Aaron. See, that's rebuke. Rebuke is not this. How many know that when you do that to somebody, what happens? Pushing them away. You bet. You bet. We, we respond to that very negatively. I do. I do. You start pushing me and you'll find that I'm not as spiritual as I should be. I mean, that's just the way it is. There's something that rises up within us that resists that kind of stuff. Okay? So, so, so the term rebuke here is not the concept. What do I do with my black thing? Where did I put it? Oh, here it is. Okay. The, the, 
the, the term rebuke is not the concept of shoving your finger in somebody's face or in their chest, but is literally dealing with the issue in a godly fashion. It's dealing with an issue, but in a godly fashion. It's not just what you say, it's how you say it. It's how you deal with it. That's rebuke. Okay, so now, now I've, I've, I've rebuked Aaron appropriately. Now how is Aaron supposed to respond? He is to repent. And we all know what the word repent means. It means to turn around. It means to not only say, I'm sorry, but it's to actually deal with this issue. Okay, so this issue of repentance is very, very significant because you're going one way, you turn 180 degrees, you go the opposite way. And full forgiveness, listen to me, full forgiveness relationship in relationships will never happen until we reach this level. Okay? You will never reach full forgiveness with someone until... After the event, you talk about the issue and the person repents. You can't experience forgiveness without coming to here. Now, how many are here with your spouse? If you're here with your spouse and you're not sitting by him, at least go over and kneel by him for a second. Will you do it right now? Come on. Come on. All right. All right. Because I, I, I want to just practice something um, right now. Okay. I am absolutely convinced that this area of repentance is a huge issue that blocks all kinds of things in the body of Christ. We have not learned or we have not humbled ourselves to the point where we really practice repentance, especially males, especially guys. You know, it's, it's a lot harder for us. And I have, I learned Thank God for His grace in my life, but I learned this when my kids were small and, and you know, when Mike and I was just on the phone to my youngest, who's 29 now, called me tonight on the phone, and, 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 and when, when Ben was young, there were times where I disciplined him wrong, where I said something inappropriately to him, and I had to get down on my knees and I had to say something to him. I, I had to say, I was wrong. I am sorry. Will you forgive me? I was wrong. I am sorry. Will you forgive me? Now, if you're next to your spouse, would you turn to them right now? Turn them right now. And, and say that to each other. I was wrong. I am sorry. Will you forgive me? All right, let's try it again. And, and those of you that aren't sitting by a spouse, you, you can say it too. I mean, we're not, this isn't just couples. Okay? I was wrong. <laughs> I am sorry. Will you forgive me? Uh, now, now, she just proved what we all do. He was wrong. <laughs> all right. All right. The, the reality is, you know, I say this half-jokingly, but the reality is, it is very possible someone in this room said those words for the first time. They have never in their life said they were wrong. I don't say that with any joy. The fact is, is that some, quote, real godly people are always right. They've got the right answers. They know the Bible. They know what should be done. I'm a spiritual leader. I'm a pastor. I'm not talking about Jeff. I'm talking about Dave Ogren. Okay. So, so, so here we are. You know, the reality is, is that it's easy, it's easy to be always right. As a parent, it's easy to be always right, but you're not always right. Right? 
Right? We're not always right. And so we need to learn how to repent. And I would say that if you're not repenting every week at least, if you're not saying in some form, you don't have to use these exact words, but I was wrong, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? If you're not doing that on a regular weekly basis, you're, you're missing up somehow. Because, because I will guarantee you that all of you are messing up somewhere during the week with the ones especially that are closest to you. You get out of bed grumpy, you go to bed grumpy, or, or you're having lunch grumpy, I don't know. You know, but the fact is, is that somewhere during your day, that's happening. Okay, so, so, so Aaron repents. Now, this is all Aaron's fault. So Aaron repents. Alright? So, so because Aaron repents, then what am I supposed to do? Uh, that's right. That's right. I am supposed to forgive this guy, right? Alright? What does it mean to forgive him? What's the concept of forgiveness? What does it mean to forgive? Whoa, very good. To let go. To let it go. Alright? I've been married 36 years. Okay, I know what it's like. You know, we all have history. You know, after you've been married a little while, you've had history. Things have happened. And if we're not careful, we don't let go. What happens is we have this huge reservoir of what happened two years, five years, ten years ago. And when things get a little heated, that comes up. Because we have not really forgiven. We have said it. We've mouthed it. We've said the right words. But it hasn't really happened in our heart yet. We haven't really yet forgiven that person. Boy, I really messed that up. Okay, there we go. Alright, so, so that, that, this issue of forgiveness is super important. And what it does is it completes the circle and it does what that verse that we were, that we reconciliation. Okay. The full circle of forgiveness leads to reconciliation. Alright, so we have this event that leads to re, appropriate rebuke, to repentance, to forgiveness, and voila, we have reconciliation. And Jesus said, this is the way it's supposed to work. Now, He said it that way because He knows. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. We're going to make mistakes, but we can handle it. We can deal with it. Thank God. Some of you have been married longer than I have. And, and you know, I mean, it's wonderful. Uh, I just talked to my wife, Colleen, tonight. And it's wonderful. After 36 years of marriage, I could honestly say there's nothing between us. Thank God. It's not because we've been perfect. Man, I've made a lot of stupid mistakes. 36 years. You know, but we've learned how to forgive and we've learned how to walk through this and we've learned how to walk in grace. Okay. Now all that's, all that's good. And, and that's, that's, that's a part of what I wanted to share tonight. But it's, it's, it's only a part of it. Because what happens, what happens when an event occurs, okay, here's the event, okay, and you, you confront in a loving way and the next step is to be repentance and that doesn't happen. I mean, this, this is reality, folks. This happens all the time. Okay? This is the other side of forgiveness in the New Testament. And it's, 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 it's very clear. God has not called you just to the ideal form of, of, of repentant, uh, forgiveness where you will only forgive when the other person is willing to repent. 
That's not what Jesus has called you to. He's called you to work this process. But when you begin to work this process and it stops here, God still calls you to a, a high level of forgiveness. Alright, now we'll explain that. This, this teaching here, and it's, this, this, is, this is not rocking science. And this is not anything you don't know, but it, maybe the pattern of it is something new to you. Luke, Luke chapter 23, Acts chapter 7. Two portions of Scripture. Luke 23 tells the, um, tells the account of Jesus on the cross. Acts chapter 7 tells the account of Stephen uh, who was stoned. Okay, here we have two different examples, but let me just share my own personal experience without giving any of the gory details. One, one uh, there was a season in my life where there was a lot of trauma as I was growing up. And, and as I grew up into adulthood, I uh, went to this guy's house who had created all this trauma for us. And I said to him, I want, let's go out to the garage. I want to talk to you. So we went out the garage and I identified everything that had happened during this particular season. And I just said, you know, uh, I realize that I need to deal with this with you. But I need to tell you first off that if I would have had a gun, I would have blown your head off when all this happened. That's how serious it was for me. And he came back to me and he said, as far as I'm concerned, it never happened. I don't even remember it. You know, I was extremely serious territory, but this guy had so much hurt in himself at that point, and I understand that now better than I did then. He had so much hurt, he had so much pain, that he could not deal with it. The reality of the, of the pain he had caused others. And so the only way he could deal with it was denial. All right? So he was living in denial. And I realized that, hey, you know, now... His problem is now my problem because he won't deal with his problem. You know, I thought I was expecting him to say, Dave, I'm really sorry. Will you forgive me? And I was ready to forgive him wholly and completely. And I was just kind of left speechless and I ended up just walking out. And I just thought, what do I do now? You know, there I was. Because this is where we were at. And it got log jammed here. It stopped right here. And it seemed like, hey, this isn't going to happen. When Jesus was on the cross, what did He say? What did Jesus say when He was on the cross? Okay. Father, forgive them. Why? Okay. I want you to understand that there are two sides to this other side of forgiveness. One is the side of discernment. Okay, Jesus was functioning in, a, in the gift of discernment, I believe, in this context. Because as He looked at the crowd, you would have said, what do you mean they don't know what they're doing? They put the nails in your hands and feet. They put the crown of thorns on your head. They whipped you to an inch of your life. What do you mean? No, what, what He was saying, they, they don't really understand the implications of what they did. I came to that point of discernment in my own life later on with this guy. That I realized he didn't know really what he was doing. He didn't really comprehend the depth, the gravity, the seriousness, the issues that were going on. And all of his own hurt kind of blinded him 
and, and caused him to be deaf to the reality of what was happening. And Jesus, as He looked at the cro- uh, from the cross upon the crowds that were there, He said, Father, forgive them. He said, Father, I release them. I refuse to hold this against them. Why? Because they don't really know what they're doing. Okay, so there's a process of discernment that sometimes God will begin to reveal to you the reasons why this person is not able to deal with the repentance. And at that point, you can say, God, I understand and I am able to release this person in spite of the fact that they have hurt me deeply because they really didn't understand what they were doing. Okay, now Stephen's not the same. Stephen didn't say that. Stephen simply says what? Don't hold this charge against them. Right? Isn't that right, Floyd? Something like that? Okay. Okay. Don't hold this charge against them. So, so Stephen was saying just the opposite. He says, these guys know exactly what they're doing. Okay? And they're guilty as sin. But I am still saying, God, don't hold this against them. And this is the other side of forgiveness. This is, this is eyes wide open. These people did what they were doing. They knew what they were doing. They raked you over the coals because they wanted to. They took advantage of you because they wanted to. They hurt you to the core because that was exactly what their purpose was. Okay? That's the other side of this forgiveness. Now, no matter how people respond, there comes a time where you need to let go. And you need to forgive them and you need to release them and you need to refuse to hold it against them anymore. It's choosing to forgive them and release them in spite of the fact of what they've done. Now, the reason this is so, so very important, this is, this is what I call extended forgiveness. And it doesn't fit Luke 17 at all. We don't see the full circle of forgiveness happening. But this is as, this is as significant a kind of forgiveness to God as, as, as Luke 17 forgiveness. Because this is the way Jesus deals with people. And this is, this is the way that God has, has, this is, this is like, like, like jumping over the high bar. How, how high is that bar? You remember watching the Olympics. You see these people jump over the high bar. Well, boy, I, th- this is a very high bar. You can only do it by the power of the Spirit. You cannot do this by yourself. Have you discovered that? I'm sure you have. It is not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit. It is only by the Spirit of God that we can do this. Now, <laughs> why is this so important? This is so important because... Because the Scripture makes clear that if you don't forgive people like this, God isn't going to forgive you. How many need God's forgiveness? Man, oh man. So we need to learn how to do this. Now, Hebrews chapter 12 tells us something about bitterness, which is the result of hurt remaining inside too long. It's like milk that gets old, huh? And, 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 and you open it up and go, ooh, boy, that's, let's throw this out. You know, and, and, and that's what happens to hurt when it stays in your refrigerator too long. All of a sudden, it begins to curdle, begins to turn into bitterness. Okay? And it begins to eat you alive. I, I, I don't even know where I got this quote, but here it is. Bitterness is a poison you drink 
hoping somebody else will die. <laughs> Bitterness is poison you drink hoping somebody else will die. And there's something in you where you just, ooh, man, I just really, boy, this really eats me alive. I just, I don't like this at all. And we go through this whole process, okay? All right. It's called bitterness. I remember the day very well when God began to deal with me about bitterness in my own heart that I could not justify it any longer. You know that bitterness is like, uh, it's like taking drugs. It's like taking drugs. You, you have a physical response to bitterness. And you know what that response is? It, 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 is, it is this sense of affirmation that you have a right to feel the way you feel because this person was so wrong. And I know what that feels. And it feels good momentarily. There, there is a euphoric that comes with that. And some of you know exactly what I mean because you begin to get angry all over again. Your face can even begin to flush and you feel, you feel the anger and what you are really feeling, you are feeling justified for feeling the way you feel because this person is so wrong. That's what bitterness is. And it will eat you alive according to Hebrews 12 and it will eat everybody else around you alive as well. It's a horrible thing. It causes you to fall short of the grace of God. That's what Hebrews 12 says. Causes you to fall short of the grace of God. And it troubles and defiles many around you. That's the result of bitterness. So we got to get rid of this junk. we got to get rid of this garbage. And I, I, I got one more section. Can we do it? Okay. Uh, about ten minutes more. We're, we're done with this. Okay. That's dangerous words. Don't say that. I want to walk a little slow through this last section because to me this is probably the most important thing for us to understand tonight and it comes from a very familiar portion of Scripture Matthew chapter 5 43 to 48 Okay. Now this is the barometer of forgiveness Some of you say Oh well I've done it I've forgiven them I'm clean. It's done. It's over. And I thought that too. That it was done and over. But I realized that there were four, four levels or four stages of forgiveness that Jesus talks about in Matthew 5, 43 to 48. The first thing He talks about is He says, Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Now, we could stay on that all night. But this deals with the issue, and I'm not an artist, but this deals with the issue of the heart. Okay? Loving your enemy has to do with the change of heart. And before you do anything else, before you think, you know, I'm going to go to this stage, you need to begin to deal before God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, with a change of heart. And what do you think it means to love your enemies? It doesn't mean that they're your good buddies. It doesn't mean that, that these are people you're going you're gonna to play tennis with every week. It doesn't mean that you're going to have coffee with them every day. It doesn't mean these are, your, these are the people you trust more than you trust anybody else in your life. The word love here has to do with the issue of compassion. 
Okay? So, when you love an enemy, somebody, okay, somebody that wants to kill you, someone that wants to shove you through with a knife, okay, that's an enemy. Love your enemies. How can you do that? Okay? It begins by saying, God, I understand my true heart condition. And I honestly face that. I don't love this person. I don't have compassion for them. I don't really care about them at all. I don't even care if they die or live. Because they're an enemy. You know, that's just the way it is. And the only one that can change this in you and me is God. This is the first miracle that needs to happen to you because forgiveness is a miracle. Forgiveness is not just this, this mind over matter, we work things through, make things better. You know, you just follow the pattern, you just say the right words and it's all going to come out. It is not going to all come out and your heart isn't going to change and guess what? You'll discover it soon enough and I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll get here in a minute. But, but this, I had to stay here for a long time and there came a point where I was able to love this guy. Where God changed my heart. That didn't mean that I... I, I, I had my kids spend a lot of time with him. <laughs> that didn't mean that I hung around him a lot. That, this means that all of a sudden, I saw him different and I had a heart of compassion for this guy where before I just wanted to wring his neck. Okay? God changed my heart and when I stood at, 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 at his funeral at the open casket and looked down on him, I, I could do it with a sense of gratitude that God had worked through some things in my life even though our relationship was never fully repaired. It was healed in me. And I still, every once in a while, go to his graveside and thank God that this work of forgiveness was completed. And frankly, that's why you can do it over issues that happened 50 years ago and they're already dead. You say, I can't deal with it. They're gone. You can deal with it. It doesn't impact them, but it will impact you as God changes your heart and gives you compassion. The second one is what? Bless those who curse. After you recognize, hey, my, my, my heart is changing. You know how else you're gonna, you're gonna find out that, that you're really on the road to forgiveness? Is because your words begin to change about that person. I remember a day in, 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 uh, up in northeastern Minnesota. I was pastoring up there, great church, and, and, um, uh, I was visiting with a relative up on the north shore of Lake Superior. We were sitting in two harbors in a little restaurant and having a sandwich together. And we started talking about the good old days. All right? And they were not very good. And we started talking about it. And I started feeling the old euphoric feeling of, of anger and, 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 and all of this started coming up inside of me. And the Holy Spirit rebuked me at that moment. And He said, I don't want you to talk about it any more like this. And I stopped mid-sentence. And I stopped them and I said, listen, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Ever. Whenever we talk about it, I'm not going to talk about this anymore. It's over. It's done. And your words need to change. 
If you still talk, talk, talk them down, talk ugly, you know, talk distorted about them, put them down, you have not forgiven them. I don't care what you call it. You have not yet forgiven them. As long as, 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 long as pollution keeps coming out of your mouth concerning that person. Okay? Bless those who curse. The third is do good to those who hate you. And the concept of doing good to those who hate you is the concept of random acts of kindness. This person, for some of you, and, and I'm, I, I'm almost for sure there's somebody in here, you already got a name and an address. <laughs> you got somebody in mind, you know exactly who this person is in your life. But, but the fact is, it is very hard for you to send them a birthday card. It is very hard for you to do anything kind towards them. You, you would never, if you're a, a person who bakes cookies, you would never take cookies over to them. You would never do an act of kindness towards them. You would never, if, if you knew they, they were lacking a little money, you would never give them money. You would never do it because, because, you know, good. They're finally getting what they deserve. That dirty rat. You know? Okay. So, so do good. Do good. That's the third level. Okay? The fourth seems so innocu- innocuous, but it's not. Pray for them. I prayed for that guy for years, but you know what my prayer was? God, shake him up. God, throw him in front of a bus. God, help him to get cancer. I'm not kidding you. You know, he doesn't deserve to live. He's a dirty rat. God, this, this shouldn't be happening. Why have you allowed this to happen? See, and that's it. When the bitterness was there, you know, I, I would never pray that out loud, but I sure pray that in my heart. I remember going by where he lived and thinking, God, I don't know why you let him still live. It's crazy. But there came a point where God changed that. And when you begin to pray the favor of God on that person, when you begin to pray, God, I pray you would meet their, all their needs. I pray that, God, you would, you, would, you would do exceedingly abundantly above all they could ask or even think. I pray that you will bless them supremely. I pray that you would do good to them all the days of their life. You know what? When you get to that point in your prayer life for that person, you can say, Aha! <laughs> I have reached a level of forgiveness. Now, let me say, you got weeds up here? You got weeds? Okay. Anybody have a garden? Alright. How many, how many like it when the garden is just nice and clean? Man, there's no, there's no weeds in the garden. Dark soil. Looks great. Plants are coming up. Wonderful. You know, they get busy working and stuff. Weeks go by. You go out and you think, Oh, brother. There they are again. Did you do a bad job weeding? No. It's just that weeds have a tendency of growing. Now this is, this is a part of this that the Lord just revealed to me about a week ago on a prayer walk. He began to show me. Because as I was preparing for this, I began to realize, ooh man, some of the old stuff is still kind of coming back inside of me and I need to kind of revisit some of this stuff in my own heart, my own life. And the Lord showed me that it's just like weeds that, that, um, that grow up again and again and again in our lives. And so I have discovered this is not a one-time process. 
This is not simply a matter of coming forward with Pastor Jeff and having him lay hands on you once and hallelujah, I've got the whole four points now and we're going to go out there and we're going to do this and it's all done and spelled. No, this is a process in your life, first of all. But once the process has been completed and you've actually come to number four and you're able to say, God, now I am ready because I'm loving this enemy. I'm blessing them. I'm doing good to them. And now I'm praying for them. You know what? You're probably going to have to do that all over again through your life a number of times because we're imperfect and we're susceptible to weeds. We're like somebody says we're susceptible to leak. You know, you get the anointing of the Holy Spirit and there's that sense of fullness and, and, then, and then it seems like after a while it's gone. Well, we just leak. It just kind of leaks out. You know, and the weeds begin to grow again. Well, that's it and I'm over time. Um, let's... Let's, um, let's bow our heads tonight. God, we know issues of forgiveness go so deep. And they can last so long. Sometimes generationally. And we want to we want to begin tonight the process of breaking the authority of unforgiveness in our own hearts, in our own lives. You know, I'm, I'm not even going to look around. I got my eyes closed just like everybody else. And I'm doing this on purpose, but I know for, my, for me, it's always good to physically respond to what God is speaking to us in our heart. And if you are dealing with issues of, of, of hurt, of pain, of unforgiveness tonight, and you are going to begin the journey towards complete forgiveness by the grace of God, Luke 17, Acts chapter 7, Luke 23... Matthew chapter 5, the steps of forgiveness. You're going to start the process of working this through in your life and allow God to ultimately set you completely free from even justified hurt. If that's you tonight, I just want you to raise your hand to the Lord and say, God, I am committing myself to beginning the journey towards complete forgiveness tonight. And I got my eyes closed along with everybody else because this is between you and God. But it's good to respond. Father, tonight we thank You. We thank You, Lord, tonight for Your grace in our life and how that, God, You put up with us in the process of us (laughs) making a mess out of stuff, hanging on to our bitterness, uh, being angry at people, for long extended periods of time when you want to pour your grace out upon them. Thank you, God. And I pray tonight that this is not something that will just work in the hearts of these people, but I am praying tonight that this will be multiplied over and over and over again in coffee shops, at Starbucks, at Carl Jr.'s, at wherever they may be with somebody else and sit down and say, hey, you need to understand the process of forgiveness. God, 
I pray for that because the truth sets us free. (laughs) And we are claiming tonight freedom for ourselves and freedom for others. Hallelujah. Let's just clap to the Lord as an expression of faith in it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Pastor Jeff, it's all yours.